Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. to this week's Attacking Scrum podcast. Coming up on this episode, we'll be looking back at another weekend of Guinness Pro 14 action. Weekend that saw some great games uh, featuring all of the Welsh regions. As usual, we'll also be picking our team of the week and comparing that with our pals over at Adraig. Plus, we'll have a roundup of news, transfer rumours that we've seen throughout the week as well. Dan Killick, as always, is alongside me to do all that. How are you doing, Dan? Very well, Gel. Gel. Wow, there we go. That is, uh, that's the worst thing you've called me since the very first podcast we did where you called me Ged. Yeah. You can uh, do it Yeah, I know. I I got, yeah, that's it. I've got a fancy new barnet and I've not put any yeah. gel in my hair. But there that's we go. Where that came from? I don't know. It's very, I very weird. I had a bit of nut from, this, it, uh, from the fruit and nut. This fruit and nut bar we're nibbling on now. Yeah, I must yeah. have got caught and that came out, yeah. Let's see what comes out next. I know. I'll add the uh, yeah. I'll add gel to the list of killerisms that we've uh, that we've had over the over the past year or so. How's your weekend been? Yeah, it's been good. Yeah, yeah, very good. A lot of uh, lot of rugby, which is um, always a good start. Exactly. Whenever you've got plenty of that, it's uh, it can't be that bad, can it? But um, yeah, no, it all started over at uh, London Welsh, didn't it? It did. Yeah. So we were down there yesterday for London Welsh's first home game of the season. Also, their first game in a very long while as a as a solely amateur outfit, and uh, yeah, it was quite the occasion actually, wasn't it? Yeah, it really was. Yeah, it was um, a lot of a lot of people around there, wasn't it? It was a great bit of excitement beforehand, and the game, to be fair, lived up to uh, lived up to it as well, didn't it? It was mighty physical. Yeah, and um, a lot of uh, you know a lot of a lot of good tries being scored. There was a try fest there. It was. Yeah, it was a really good afternoon actually. You know, fantastic. Yeah, fantastic to meet some of the characters in and around the club. Awesome to see some of the work that's gone on behind the scenes to get them into this position after such a, you know, after such an emotional roller coaster. But then, likewise, as you say, it was really entertaining rugby and a couple of couple of pints afterwards. 
So uh, yeah, we yeah, we had a thoroughly good time down there. Yeah, it was superb, wasn't it? It was great as well for, I think, um, you know, people like Gwyn, you know, and obviously all the backroom guys that have put in so much over the, you know, over the last sort of six to eight months to see it just coming through now. And uh, he had a smile on his face, didn't he? And rightly so. He so, did. Well, well, there's, a, there's a lot of there's a lot of people there, isn't there, that have put in a huge amount. So it was amazing to see that you know people who just live and breathe the club. It was it was awesome to just to get a, a taste for that and then big thanks to everyone at London Welsh uh, for their kind of hospitality yesterday. So we've done a special podcast on on the club and on our kind of our chats with all of the all of the people down there yesterday and you'll be able to hear that podcast later on in the week so make sure you uh, you pick up that as a little bonus throughout this week and hopefully yeah, it gets across uh, yeah some of the optimism and some of the fantastic individuals that we that we met yesterday obviously you've you've worked with a few of them uh with your kind of involvement in the club as well so uh yeah hopefully that all kind of comes across in the podcast yeah definitely i'm actually looking forward to hearing that back now yeah no pressure on my editing skills but yeah, anyway exactly. we'll, uh, we'll try my best let's bring it back to uh the professional teams this weekend and there's been some awesome games and some really kind of exciting thrilling rugby let's go through it chronologically so we'll start on we'll start on friday night and the big game of the night much as I may disagree with this, was Scarlets against Ulster. Joke, joking aside, though, that was a belter of a game, wasn't it? What a game. That was an absolutely brilliant spectacle, wasn't it, for the Pro 14. So physical. Unbelievable atmosphere there, which there always is in the Kingspan. We've said it before. Can we call it Ravenhill? Yeah. Oh, yeah I much prefer the Ravenhill as a name. Like, and it's cool, I get the role of sponsors and I'm stuff. I'd probably call it something completely yeah. random. <laughs> Wembley or whatever, but... Yeah, it's... Um, I just I think Ravenhill's a better name. Yeah, yeah, it probably is. But it was absolutely bouncing there, wasn't it? Um, they had... You know, the bookies had uh, the Scarlets, didn't they, to uh, to win that? I had a few quid on it, actually. Did you? Yeah, I did. You could get evens for Scarlets minus two, and I just thought they were going to have too much with the... with Ulster having some of their Lions away. But reality is they got some fantastic players, particularly in the back line. I thought Ulster, some really exciting individuals that... It caused a lot of trouble. Yeah, you could see their strength in, in depth, couldn't you, with that with that game? But um, yeah, no, just a, just a superb game. I was I was disappointed for the Scarlets. I thought they, um, you know, when when the Scarlets edged in front, they could have done could have done more to um, to possibly see out the game. But it wasn't. I don't think the Scarlets sort of absolutely threw it away. You know, the Ulster were on the night. I think deserved. You know. So winners really in my eyes. Yeah, I probably would agree with that. I think we spend a lot of time, and particularly over the last six months, we spent a lot of time talking about how fantastic a side Scarlets are to watch. You know, they, they play such an ambitious brand of rugby. And, you know, that's what kind of makes it enjoyable to, to sit and enjoy as a punter. But I think you have to level the same thing at Ulster based on Friday night's performances. I thought there were two really accomplished attacking sides and the end result was some really exciting tries it was they went for it didn't they um but they also played a very cute game really coming down Paschal's channel um, I thought he handled that well to be fair I, I don't think he stood out as you know I think sometimes sometimes you sometimes you, sometimes you, watch, you watch a good game and you can see big powerful balls carrying a lot of change out of running down the flying half channel you know you think back to uh you think back to that game Wales played at the Millennium Stadium against against England earlier this year and they just had so much joy running at George Ford. I didn't think it was like that. No, it wasn't you know, like I, that, but he did have 
I mean, they, they, it was a very difficult job for him trying mm. to stop um, McCloskey, wasn't it? I mean, he is an absolute beast, but, um, you know, it's one or two maybe where they, where they, he probably could have been stopped a little bit earlier, but you can't criticise him. It was a bit, it's, it's like trying to stop a lorry, isn't it? And, um, but they just, that, that's what that's they targeted, and they going straight down that channel, um, made really hard yards. They were super physical. Um, probably bossed that area a little bit over the Scarlets. Mm. But then when it was on, they really looked to score. Um, so I, I, they were a joy to watch, to be honest, Ulster as well, weren't they? It's a yeah. game that, again, you wanted it to carry on. It did, yeah, you absolutely did. And just going back to, to McCloskey there, he picked up the, the Man of the Match award, and I think you know it's, it's hard to disagree with that. There's some fantastic performances out there that night. But as much as he's a wrecking ball and you saw that you also saw some really nice touches some passes around the back and some offloads you know I think he's a he's a hell of a player he really yeah. is he's got that that great ability isn't he just to free up his hands when I, I, I don't quite one, one of them in particular when he got his he sort of ran he cut back in on the inside yeah. sort of knocked over um, knocked over one of the Scarlet's boys they looked to sort of get an arm around him and then he got his he wriggled his hands free again it's like um you know, Jonathan always gets his hands mm. free, doesn't he? Always manages just to lift them out yeah. from, from a hold. Um, but he had, yeah, he just had a brilliant game, didn't he? He was, he was sort of almost unplayable. Well, he was unplayable, really. And and for me, he was the uh, he was the difference along with uh, along with uh, the ten there. Yeah, I mean, Christian Lefano, oh, it was fantastic access. You know, to say he's, you know, new addition to the squad, seemed like he'd been in that back line for a for an age. I thought he added a real level of a real level of control, but also then was able to unlock the the best. And he's played a lot of his rugby at centre, you know. Let's not forget. So to look so comfortable at at ten, you know, you could you could just see the the, the natural footballer that he is. So and you know also again the, the human story that's that's yeah, gone with it as well. You know, he's missed the best part of a year with treatment of le- leukemia, and to be back playing and playing that well, it's just it's a, it's a brilliantly positive story. He looked to be enjoying it, didn't he? Yeah. yeah and as you said, he, he's got every, he has got everything covered, isn't he? His, his own sort of individual attack play was great. The way he brought in all the, all the players around him, forwards and backs, and his kicking game was exceptional as well. So, yeah, what a signing. I think the kicking game is something we want to hone in on a bit, really, because this is something that's been kind of levelled at the Scarlets. It was mentioned on the coverage on Friday night, and it's been mentioned a bit since. You know, we love watching them because they're, they're so attacking. Was there an opportunity to show a bit more control from outside half and potentially from nine as well and potentially play a bit more of a tactical kicking game. Do you think, you know, is that is that a kind of fair criticism of the Scarlets? Yeah, definitely. I think nine and you know, nine and ten could have controlled the game better. Um, and I would say that's a common theme across, you know, all the all the Welsh regions, you know, this weekend that the kicking you know, the kicking wasn't quite wasn't quite spot on. But certainly with the Scarlets, I feel that if they had just controlled that area and, and, and you know, played, they didn't have to play in some of the areas where, you know, where they thought maybe they needed to. And it just added to pressure, didn't it? And from that, you know, the sort of momentum, momentum shifts at key points moved away from them. So, you know, if they change that, then who, you know, you never know, do you? But we called it... We called it a couple of weeks ago, didn't we? It'd be interesting to see the Scarlets when they do come up against a, a really strong side. If they, they, the hardest thing for them is gonna is gonna be when to play and when not to play, mm. and they got it wrong at times. Um, but to flip it back, you, you know, on on the positives, 
those couple of tries that they did score were again back to uh, you know just pure you know pure brilliance, wasn't it? Well, I think that's the difficult thing is that it's very easy to think, oh well, you know, should have played a more controlled kicking game, but because they persisted with with looking to run whenever you know whenever they could, they were able to to make those those two fantastic tries, which were, again were just all built out of. Excellent ball skills in the back, great pace, knowing that, you know, Hadley Parks for that first try, you know, we always bemoan Wales for doing this, but the way he just straightens up, yeah. creates that creates that opening. And how and many times have we seen that where if Hadley Parks had just given it, because they, they were covering mm. quite nicely, wouldn't they? I thought, oh, it's probably going to go through the hands here. And he just, he literally almost just stopped, didn't he? Stopped, stopped dead. <laughs> and, uh, and just straightened up and tucked inside mm. and then Patchell... You know, Patrick's in on the inside taking taking the ball, but you so often see, don't you? We certainly something we see with the Blues this season is just that ball going all the way along lateral. And yeah, and he just checked, didn't he? Checked inside. Um, but yeah, as you said, if they'd maybe if they'd started kicking the ball, then they wouldn't have scored those tries. So it's hard to be too critical. Yeah, I, I don't know. It was mentioned a lot at half time on Friday night during the coverage that perhaps they were being over ambitious. I actually just thought there was a couple of basic errors in there. was a couple of times where it just didn't stick to hand. There was a knock-on from half penny and a few times that I think things could have been on. And if Penny had taken that, yeah. he could have potentially been through, couldn't he? Because it wasn't, you know, yes, you know, Scott forced it a little mm. bit, but it was a nice... Little, I thought that was on, It was a nice honest. out, yeah. yeah. And, you know, that's what we've been, we've loved, we've loved about them, haven't we? So yeah. it feels a little bit critical when... You know, the commentators are having a right go at them saying, mm. you know, they're playing too much when, you know, you only have to go back, you know, go back to the end of last season where they're running tries in from all over and they say, well, that's the Scarlets that, you know, that, that you can't play against. So, yeah, I doesn't 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 sit too right with me, really, to, to, to hammer them over the head. Yeah, I, I, th- I thought actually in the first half, you know, because if those chances had come off, it could have been a completely different game entirely. The time I think there were certain points in the second half actually when Ulster had a lot of possession and were causing a and were defending really resolutely. So when Scarlets did have the ball, they weren't making those yards. And I think there were certain points where you think, right, the little kick over the top here to nullify the defence would have would have definitely helped. But at the same time, they you know they got into these positions and they were right in the game. I think they will be frustrated that they weren't able to close out the game though, because you know, despite having not been the not been the the better side, they got in they got in front, and you thought, okay, given how exciting a side they are, and given that they're the reigning champions, they're in a great position to to close it out. Yeah, so I do where, I do think they'll be a bit yeah. disappointed. Yeah, when they got in front, go you know kick, go to the corners, and just slow you know slow the whole uh, slow the whole game down. But um, that's something that I thought Ulster did very well. That was. Um, when, when Scarlets needed the quick ball, it just seemed to be a hand in there or yeah. something. And it was that classic sort of Irish, you know, there was something going on in there. And uh, it's, 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 it's never legal, is it? And for me, it was a couple of couple of times, no one else picked up on it, I don't think, on the, on the commentary. But the ref, he should have pinned them a couple mm. of times because they deliberately were slowing it down. And that's what the Scarlets thrive on was that quick ball. And they were loving it then, just slowed it right down, slowed it right down, were able to get themselves into the right positions to defend. And um, that was hugely frustrating, but you know they got they got they got away with it, didn't they? They did, and I think that's the thing is it's very easy to sit and, and bemoan the referee. And I didn't think he had a particularly good game. I thought every fifty fifty call went the way of the of the home team. 
the crowd made it particularly difficult for Marius Matreya as well because anything they were they were appealing for and I think it you know no matter how much you you know usually there must be times where that can that can get inside oh, yeah. your head and it was loud there wasn't it it was loud so yeah I mean it seemed like a fantastic atmosphere there but yeah all in all amazing game you expect the Scarlets to bounce back from this it's Edinburgh at home next Saturday yeah I do I for me I think that'd be quite a comfortable win actually for the Scarlets um so yeah, big. They they'll. I'm with you. They'll be they'll be bitterly disappointed. Yeah. I reckon they would they would they would go in there thinking this is this is on. That we're gonna, we're going to get the win, but they come away with a losing bonus point. Um, I think I think I saw not. some of the reaction on Twitter afterwards, and there was a few fans saying that it shows how far the Scarlets have come. That they're walking away from Ravenhill with a losing bonus point, and they're disappointed. Yeah, it's quite right, isn't it? Yeah, and the fact that the bookies had. You know, had the Scarlets down to, mm. uh, yeah, down to win that. So, yeah, it's not, yeah, it's it's a loss, but they'll, uh, they they did play well. They did, and uh, yeah, as as you predict, I I fully expect them to bounce back against an Edinburgh side that lost to to Benetton Treviso this weekend. So, at home as well. So I didn't, see, didn't see that. No, and I I've been really impressed with Edinburgh how they started, but again, maybe that's actually a sign of how poorly Cardiff Blues played on the first yeah. on the first weekend of the season and. It's actually uh, as you said, that that's happened though, isn't it? You know, that they've, that they've got a win against Edinburgh now. It just sort of keeps everything keeps everything alive. Um, one chap we, we, we got to mention, didn't we, from the Scars' performance was uh, Byrne. Well, we do, and I'm going to save that just for when we go around to talking, um, we oh, get around to talking about Team of the Week, because, yeah, I would be very surprised if he doesn't make a feature in there. So you have to stay tuned to find out whether that's the case. Right, let's move on then, because there's another game on Friday night, not televised, but you may well have heard that the Dragons are the only Welsh side this weekend to get a win, and it's been a mighty long time since that has been the case. Uh, fantastic result, home win against Connacht. You probably weren't able to sleep, were you, after, after hearing that? It's amazing, yeah, it's an absolutely fantastic result, and I think it's really important because there's been a lot of optimism and I've been really impressed with what Jackman has done in terms of the the kind of the outreach that he's done and how trying to make the Dragons a much more inclusive setup, get people kind of back involved with the club and and to try and re-establish a bit more faith. So to get a win now, I think was I think it was important to do that on Friday because otherwise it starts to become a bit all oh, right. Well, it's just PR. You know, you're just yeah, you're making all the right noises, but until things change on the pitch, I'm not interested. So I am really, really pleased for them to to get that result. Um, you know, as a as a fan of Welsh rugby, as much as a as much as a Dragons fan. So yeah, otherwise uh, it was really interesting. Yeah, I'm abs- I'm absolutely delighted as well, and it's uh, it's pretty comprehensive, isn't it? As well? Yeah, really, really strong result in the end. So uh, yeah, delighted uh, to see that result. Now, obviously, game wasn't televised. I've seen the um, seen the highlights of the game, but at the podcast, Brad Hayward was down at Boris, and I caught up with him earlier on to get his thoughts on that victory for the Dragons. Afternoon, Jade. Thanks for having me. Not a problem at all. I hear uh, we've got you out of peeling spuds duty for the Sunday roast as well. Yep, I'm eternally grateful. So we just got back from uh, coaching the juniors, uh, roast in the oven, and thanks to your call, I've now avoided the spuds. So. Um, I'll just sit up here, continually talking to myself after this conversation's <laughs> over. That's it. Have the yeah, have the old imaginary conversation, and hopefully yeah. it has to be done by that time. By the time you get down there, but a fantastic way to start the weekend. Win for the Dragons. 
I'll start with the atmosphere if uh, if we can. Yeah, just kind of tell us a little bit about what the uh, what the atmosphere was like at Rodney on Friday night. Oh, it was the best I've seen it in years. It was absolutely the whole stadium was bouncing, um, and I think that showed in the players, you know, post match and the amount of time they spent with the supporters because I think they they really took from that, you know, they give them an extra gear. And I think, you know, with the, with the, so hopefully the new dawn at the Dragons, I think that's where the supporters can play their part in that, is making the stadium as intimidating as, as, as people, you know, it's renowned to be. Yeah, and I think the, anything that can be done to get it back to, to those days is, you know, certainly what we, what we all want to see, because it is a unique rugby ground, isn't it? You know, it's, a, it's one of those yeah. traditional old-fashioned grounds and the, the fans are nice and close to the pitch. And, yeah. You know, a couple of performances and it can become that it can become that intimidating place again. Yeah, and I think that's something Bernard is, you know, is really keen on when he engages the supporters and he talks about is, you know, making the pitch as wide as he possibly can within the laws of the game um, to, to try and get the opposition as close to the close to us as, as supporters as they can. You know, he, he's often told us about the times where he played there as, as opposition and, you know, he founded himself an intimidating arena. Um, and, and that's where, you know, there's a lot of work going on behind the scenes, a lot of work going on publicly with Bernard and the guys. But that's where us as supporters can really help this is, is to get, like you say, back to the old days, back to that ground that you know nobody wants to come to. Absolutely. And the other, uh, I guess the other byproduct of having a wide pitch is it means there can be a bit of nice running rugby every now and again. And there certainly seems to be a few glimpses of that on display on Friday night too. Yeah, and I think you know the the effort that's gone on on the pitch in terms of the, actually the pitch itself is 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 testament now to what we're seeing. There was I think four games last week on that pitch, yeah. and the surface was you know fantastic, absolutely fantastic. So hopefully that can bear up through the winter months now, which would be great. But that style of play, I think, if anyone caught the Edinburgh game, although you know disappointing in terms of the result, mm. um, lost a lot of turnover ball, which cost us. But I've not seen us play with that sort of ambition for quite some time. Um, the amount of breaks that Ashton and Hallam were making in that game alone was, was phenomenal. And then what happened on Friday, for those that, that managed to catch it, was that was turned into, you know, it was hitting the ball, you know, turned it into pressure on the opposition. And that first try that Hallam scored in the first couple of minutes, um, well, it would probably go down as, you know, probably one of the tries of the season already. Um, it's absolutely superb. And hopefully, you know, what we're saying is, if Bernard and the team can get that level of rugby and that you know that, that spectacle, then the, you know the ground will be behind them all the way. And you mentioned the turnovers there in in some of the previous games, which had which had cost the side. How about the the back row? Obviously boosted with Ollie Griffiths coming back into the yeah how, yeah. Was, how did they go? I think the the balance looked really good. So um, so you got Ollie back at seven, which is, makes a big difference to us. Um, I think it's well publicised with, with yourself, especially how much I rate that man. <laughs> Um, yeah, I'll, I'll take the posters down from all over the house but uh, one day. But yeah, he's, he's a phenomenal player, and and he gave us that physicality at the breakdown, um, which which was which was missing I think last week. Which uh, no disparity to the players there, but Ollie is you know a different a different physical beast really in that area. Uh, and then the move of Harry to to, to blindside then to Harry Keddie, yeah, um, where you know he, he says himself he enjoys that donkey work, he enjoys getting hitting rucks, he enjoys that. Um, and then James Benjamin at eight, which he played phenomenally well. Um, he, he's that link man in midfield. He's got the skills as a sevens player. So, you know, in terms of looking on the on the pitch itself at the size of players, he, you know, he's a very small back row forward. But the skills that he brings to the game allows us to sort of try and implement what Bernard's, what Bernard's trying to do in terms of the style of play. So they're really well balanced on Friday night. Really, really good. 
And that's, so you had, you know, and that sense of ambition that, that you mentioned there, and I think it was particularly evident in the first try, is, you know, forwards getting their hands on the ball as well and, and just having that kind of ability to uh, to look up, see what's on, put the offload in when it's there. And uh, and that was certainly in evidence at certain points on Friday. Yeah, and it's, it's you know, it's all, you've seen it in the in the back moves that they're, they're pulling out, but then in that try itself, if for those that haven't seen it yet, you've got... Um, an, an amazing offload from Elliot mm. uh, around the back of the defender, and then the little things that you know don't perhaps pick up on the first time round, but then really quick hands from Harry Keddy to free Hallam down the wing, um, and you know to see your back row forwards and your hookers doing that sort of thing, um, and developing the skills to play that type of game, I think is you know it's really good news not just from a Dragons perspective, but you know these are young Welsh players, so hopefully in terms of translating the international arena as well, I think. Yeah, again, that's certainly something that we'd. Something we'd like to see. I guess on a yeah. more um, on a more sombre note, injury concerns. Top of that list would probably be Zane Kirchner. Yeah, there was a few, and we're starting to get a little bit injury ravaged at the moment. With um, and it's quite a thin squad as it stands, so um, that might be a little worrying. But Zane, his, his shoulder looked you know pretty nasty when he came off yeah. and he straight to hospital. Um, and then within minutes after that, we lost Tyler as well. Um, I think he's holding his ribs, and then um, the young wing that replaced then went off again. Uh, I think with groin injury, so we ended up with Sarah on the wing, um, uh, Hallam at full back, mm-hmm. uh, and then Dorian Jones went on at centre. So it was a bit of a makeshift backline towards the second, well, in the second half of the game, um, which obviously changed the dynamic of the game somewhat. Yeah, I think that's yeah. You, you've mentioned it there, but the the strength in depth is always going to be the the difficult the difficult thing at the Dragons looks as though that's going to be put to the test pretty early on in the season. Yeah, I think so. And uh, I mean, Bernard's been very, very open in terms of... Um, uh, there's, there's something uh, been written this morning, but not had a chance to read it yet, about you know the, the squad that he has inherited. Mm. Um, so he's, he's, he's started to discuss that. And I think the headline that I saw is that he, you know, he feels sorry for the guys in terms of what they've had, legacy in terms of support. But um, he's been really open and he said, look, I've come in, it's a, you know, a clean slate for everybody involved. Uh, and he didn't want to recruit. He want he didn't want to recruit in specific areas until he could have fully assess yeah. whether the players that he's got can play the style of play that he wants to implement. So his point would be, you know, he, he didn't want to recruit a you know tighter, looser prop, whatever, until he's assessed whether the guys he's got can play this style of rugby. Um, because you know, because it is a change, it's a massive change. So it, it's it's very honourable. It's given all the guys in the squad a, a good fist of it and given a season to that, but. You know, he's already very open in terms of he's starting to identify those areas he needs to recruit. Um, and he wants to spend the budget wisely and not recruit blindly, um, which I think is a very, you know, it's a common sense approach. And I think it's very fair on the players that are there now. But yeah, it, it is, you know, as I think we're all aware as Dragon supporters, it's, it's a, it is a thin squad. So those injuries, we hope, you know, it turns around rather quickly. Um, but um, yeah, we shall see through the coming weeks, I guess. And you mentioned those areas of, of recruitment, which will obviously be something that, you know, the I guess the, the whole coaching set we'll be looking at as the as the season goes on just explain for our listeners which areas you think are, are going to be the the positions that are going to need filling at in going into yeah i think um it, it's well publicizing within a dragon sports community that you know we've got the the, the stereotype would be that we've got these young fast backs uh, but we've got a, a, a small group of forwards in terms of physical size and that's a bit of a, a stereotype that we use within the group and but it's now seeing over the next couple of months, really, in terms of if that style of play when we've got the ball is avoiding contact, you know, it is playing the ball away from the contact area, 
does do we need those, those those forwards that you know we've all assumed we've always have them? Those you know a bigger type five, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Mm. So I think it's 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 really interesting. Um, if you can take away the sort of emotion of it as a dragon supporter, to now watch this you know evolve over the next couple of weeks and next couple of months and say actually those players you know they may not be physically as dominating as some of their you know French counterparts, but if that's the style of play we want to implement, actually are these the type of players we we want that you know the the smaller more athletic forwards? Um, so I think time will tell, but I think definitely in terms of strength and depth, um, I think we, we we start to struggle in a few areas, but. Um, but some of the young lads coming through are, you know, are looking are looking real prospects. So it's a delicate balance, and I wouldn't want to second guess what what Burn is looking at. To be perfectly honest, but um, it'd be interesting. But you know, the game is with the ball and without the ball. So um, it's whether we've got that physicality throughout the team. I think it's something you'll probably be looking at um, in the coming months. I wouldn't want to second guessing, but um, yeah, it'd be very interesting now. So new style of play. Can these players do it? Um, and you know what type of forwards or what type of backs is Bernard looking at? So, yeah, interesting few weeks ahead, I think. I think so too. And just to come back to the, I guess, kind of the the atmosphere and the crowd. So, yeah, a little bit, a little bit's been made about the about the number, uh, about the number there being obviously being down on the the Leinster number, which is the first home game. But you do get the feeling that with it being a you know quite a comprehensive win and playing some exciting rugby. It almost feels like that kind of goodwill can can build into a bit of momentum, and hopefully that's going to translate into some into some better numbers as the as the yeah. season goes on. You know, some big games coming up too. Yeah, there is, and I think um, you know, there's there's always discussions over that what's the best time to play regional rugby. You know, is it is it Fridays? Is it Saturdays? Um, and those discussions will will always go on. I, I I guess. I mean, the Dragons have made it quite clear that they want to deconflict from club rugby. They want to be Friday night team. Yeah. Um, they want to support the clubs within the region as much, you know. So to do that, you deconflict those. Um, so then you've got Friday nights. There's some challenges around Friday nights logistically for people. So you know, there's always there's always a discussion over which one suits best. But um, the, the crowd that was there was, like I say, makes this make the stadium absolutely took the roof off the place towards the, you know, in the second half. Um, so if we can build on that, and, and and you've mentioned the word, you know, goodwill is that Bernard is uh, as you've probably seen on social is that he's really keen on, on building that sense of family and community yeah. within the region. And he really wants to reach out to all the clubs um, and offer them support and make it a two-way thing. Um, so it's not just, you know, we, we want the, the, the club rugby supporters to come and watch the Dragons. It's it's also that two-way relationship where it's well, what can the Dragons do for them. Um, so Friday, for example, um, the Dragons laid on a Valleys coach, which went up to Ebervale and um, picked up the Jesters girls cluster um, filled the coach, came down guard of honour on the pitch, you know, and he's trying to uh, and he's trying to build on that and build that sense of family. Um, so hopefully, like you say, some big games come in, goodwill, and as always, it's 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 the performances on the on the pitch. They'll they, you know you can do as much marketing as you want, but wins uh, and performances will also bring huge numbers, you know, it, it, to come down to the ground. So it's 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 you know the, the effort they're making at the moment to to do that engagement is absolutely phenomenal um and as you know somebody that supports club rugby and, and junior rugby um it's fantastic it's what people want to see um you know the players getting out to the clubs speaking to the juniors getting that relationship between you know personal relationship between the players and the clubs around um yeah and it's superb so all you know working towards the right areas in my opinion um, so now it's it's about building that goodwill, get some results, change you know, style of play that you can slowly see turning around, and then hopefully that'll translate to you know big crowds at Rodney Parade in the coming months. 
yeah, I couldn't agree more. I think the effort that's gone on, uh, that's gone on, that's happened off the pitch has been yeah. really, really impressive. And like you say, it, it will always come back to results because yeah. that is what ultimately brings the crowd in. But it's just great to to get that first win under the belt, and you really hope the Dragons can build on it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. Um, and like you say, it's, you know, we, we, you can make those efforts, but we need to translate that now onto the pitch, which is, you know, we can't influence that aspect really. Um, apart from getting behind the boys and, and making some noise and making that stadium what it was on Friday night. Um, and I think that will only help them in terms of delivering on those results. Well, let's hope that's the first of the first of many then, Brad. And thanks yeah. very much for joining us. And no doubt we'll catch up with you again soon. Cheers, Jed. Thanks for that. Thanks, Brad. That was the thoughts there of Brad Hayward, who was down at the Dragons on Friday night to witness them get the first win of the season. I don't know if the microphone's going to pick this up or not, but he's absolutely hammering it down here. Pelting, yeah. I'm just yeah. thinking that we might have that helicopter that's uh, the helicopter we had back in back in May circling uh, circling over the top of your house. Let's let's hope not, but yeah, certainly is uh, chucking it down here as it was on Saturday afternoon when the Ospreys took on Munster at home and another defeat for the Ospreys. Really not a particularly good performance either. And Steve Tanby came out straight away after the game and publicly criticised his players now. Seems to be becoming a bit of a trend in Welsh regional rugby. We had kind of Jackman firing a shot across the bows to some of his Dragon squad last week, and that prompted a reaction. Tandy's come out and, and criticised this week. What do you? Where do you stand on the whole kind of criticising your players in public, Dan? Uh, I think it's um, it's a fine line, really, isn't it? I mean, mm. it depends on how. The relationship that he's got with the with the guys, um, I think it's easier for Jackman to uh, to come out with because he's not been there for that length of time, so it's probably in a bizarre way easier. But with uh, with Tandy coming out, you mean you could see you in the game at times. He was yeah, livid, uh, didn't he? Yeah, he was absolutely fuming, and you know he's let his he's let his emotions go a bit. Um, is there more? Is there more to it? You know, is there other stuff going on behind the scenes? You know who knows. I, th- I think that maybe it was just a f- just the fact that he was so disappointed with the with the with the lack of effort that has come out, and you know the- these things do happen. They do. Just to quickly kind of have a look at the performance. I mean, it really wasn't an Osprey style performance. You're not used to seeing them kind of so easily out muscled up front. You know, even when they're not playing particularly well, you expect them to, you know, to be competitive at the breakdown of. Decent, yeah, decent effort at the the kind of the collision area, and you're not used to seeing them kind of missing missing tackles. I know it was brought up on Scrum Five, but when you're watching Justin Tipperick miss a tackle, you kind of yeah. you really get the feeling something's wrong. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, there was no there was no impetus to the game, was there? There was no energy. They were they just seemed completely um, off the pace mm. altogether, and um, it was almost to a man, really, wasn't it? It was really odd. So, yeah, they need they need they need to really sort of have a look at uh, have a look at themselves and and dig deep because um, at the moment you know I, I, they don't they, they're not exciting me. No, um, I'm not really. Look, I'm not at the moment. I've got to say I'm not really looking forward to watching them. Um, are you? you know, do, do you have the same sort of thoughts along those lines? Yeah, I do really. And I think there's a lot of Osprey fans who feel very similarly about it that with a squad that has 
fantastic players within it. You know, there was some really kind of there's some really exciting players in that back line. You know, you look at the the likes of you know Giles has been very exciting. Dan Evans has been very consistent for a while, and you know always a bit of a always going to be a threat in that back line. And you've kind of added in Allen and Hook into there as well. It just feels like the game plan seems very kind of negative to start with, and when you're not winning games, that that kind of I guess lack of ambition or perceived lack of ambition can be quite tough for for fans to take. And yeah, I, I would agree with you on that. It's, it, they're not an exciting side to watch at the moment, and when they're not winning games, it, it looks even worse. What do you think they need to do then to sort of to get the get you know, get the season back on track and get the the fans sort of you know engaged again? Well, the one thing I think that stands out in that game as a as a positive was that wonderful James Hook try. Now that's the that's what we love to watch from him, you know, and that's what Osprey's fans saw in the, you know, his first first stint at the club, you know, as he when he came through as a youngster and kind of had us all very, very excited. And that's what you want to see him doing is that kind of instinctive smelling out where the where the gaps are and cutting through and running those lovely lines. I almost think you kind of want to give a bit more licence for players like Hookie to do that. And that, like we said, there are exciting players in that back line. You know, I think we're going to see a lot of you know, a lot of Sam Davis this year as well. You've got Webb to come back into the side. So I think a bit more license. But first up, you know, you, you can't play that attacking rugby if you don't have a competitive pack. And, That's what I was going to say. It and I just don't, front, it, it does. And I just do not understand why that side on paper, and I don't be wrong, Munster are, you know, they're always going to be a hard, a hard side to beat up, up front. But that squad on paper yesterday, should there should be enough in there to to be competitive and and I felt it was just a bit too easy for for Munster at times. Yeah, it's it did see it definitely seemed that way, didn't it? So the the Ospreys have got to um, yeah they got to, They got to basically they have they just have to get a win, don't they? Mm. I think it's it's all gonna it's all gonna come from that. Get the win and uh, regroup because they look as if they're pulling in slightly different directions at the moment and. Uh, there's a couple of couple of key players, isn't there, that they need back back firing. It will make a huge, huge difference. But we no prizes for guessing who you're referring yeah, to. Yeah. Well, yeah, but you know, it'd be nice if we didn't have to go down that route, wouldn't it? But it's it's needed. It is, but you know, I have to say that I think there's enough characters in that side. There should be, there should be enough should characters be. in that side, rather, to and in that whole wider squad that they shouldn't just be reliant on Alan Wynne-Jones and Dan Bigger. And Dan Bigger's gone at the end of the season, so they're not going to be able to to call upon his uh, his kind of influence and leadership. And, you know, Alan Wynne-Jones will be away with Wales during the autumn and during the Six Nations. And, you know, he's not getting any younger, so there could be injury concerns within there as well. You expect him to pick up a few knocks throughout the season. So people are going to have to step up to the mark. And, and that's what Tandy's done in the past, isn't he? That he's got... He's got a lot out of, you know, out of the players, individually, and then collectively they've all, you know, they were playing a really, a really decent brand, weren't they? Not, uh, you know, you know, maybe eight, you know, eight, ten months ago it was, it was pretty, it was pretty good. Then it's dropped, it's dropped off since. It just seems to have got, you know, progressively worse. Well, they started the season um, really, really strongly last, last, uh, last term. But it really doesn't feel that that same way now. I I really do think the pressure's mounting on Steve Tandy, and I think 
that's kind of shown with his post-match comments that I think, you know, like you say, it's, it wasn't measured and calculated. That felt like it was a, it was a genuine frustration and yeah. you never know what reaction that's going to have in the dressing room. No, you don't. But I can also feel, you know, he, he, he there's no, there's no excuses, is there, for, for people actually not giving it, you know, giving 110%. No, I, I agree and, with that. And you could see that, that what that was the case on, you know, for the Ospreys. They were, they were players that weren't, you know, they weren't giving their all. And so when he, when he sees that, <clears throat> he's just, it's, it's, you know, he's absolutely livid and he's come out, but. But that's the that's the worrying thing for me is that that if it if it actually is the case, something just doesn't seem right there that they're not fired up for a home game against Munster, you know, in the third game of the season. You know, this is they're the kind you know this isn't like it's all oh, right. It's it's away at Zebra on a Friday night and it's in between the international window and it's just you know they're a little bit distracted. It's it is a really worrying sign and you wonder you know you you do start to speculate about what might be going on behind uh, you know, behind the walls of the dressing room. So you, th- you think there's a fair bit going on? Well, I think all you can go on, because you know, we, don't, we don't know, right? But all you can go on is the evidence there is that there's a set of players who weren't fired up and Tandy's clearly aggrieved about it. And if that is the case, you, know, you start to speculate about whether there is a, a disconnect between the players and the coaching setup and... Once that, once you know, if that is the case, and you know, stress the word if because we don't know, we're just speculating here. And you go on what you see, you know, in the history of rugby and the history of any sport. But if that is the case, it's a very, very hard thing to turn around. Yeah, definitely. I wonder if, um, you know, the fact that Big is obviously leaving, the speculation growing over, you know, Webb. Mm. When you have those types of, well, you know, two huge, huge players. It would have an effect, wouldn't it, on any sort of organisation if you're aware that you know your your your, your key guys are going to be potentially leaving, or ones obviously is mm. leaving. Whether um, what, you know what's going on to sort of you know they they I don't know whether they need to sort of re you know regroup and just you know be be all sort of open as players and and look at um, look at the bigger picture there because they're two they're two key. Big guys, aren't they? Playing nine and ten as well. I mean, I think we both think the web's more than likely going to go. Um, you know, whether or not that's having an effect on on, on the guys, really. Um, everyone says, oh, I shouldn't. They're professionals, but they're humans. Yeah. You know, and these things, and these things, you know, uh, often do. Don't they? Whatever's going on off the pitch always has an effect on the pitch um, in terms of performances or just that headspace. You know, just sort of creeps in. And um, I just wonder whether those things are having an effect at the moment. Yeah, and again, yeah, it's uh, that's the big question mark at the moment, is are those things having an effect? After a tough game like that, would you prefer another tough game or would you prefer a supposed kind of easier game next up in order to kind of reestablish a bit more confidence? So they've got, they've got well, the team that are now known as Benetton, Mm. up next which on paper you look at and say is an easy game but as we said earlier on they managed to get a win at Edinburgh this weekend is this a potential banana skin for the Ospreys I think the Ospreys will will get a win there and um, for me that's the type of game you'd want at this at this stage okay. you just have to, you have to get a win no matter how it comes really it doesn't matter 
how ugly it is, it's just all about the win. Regroup and then go on from there. Because if they lose, it, you know, it's catastrophic. Is it one of those difficult ones though that, you know, if they if they run out easy victors, then all oh, right, well it's only Benetton. If they scrape past them, it again starts to become indicative of oh this is this is how badly the side's playing. And if they don't win, then it becomes a real big. I don't think there'll be any sort of. I I just think the vast majority of you know supporters will say, look, we just we just get the win, and it doesn't matter how it comes. Um, just go out, you know, get it, and and then we'll move on. That's it's as simple as that. Well, I don't know. I I I, I think there's. Do you think I think, this might I be think a there's loss? increasing frustration. No, I, I don't know whether it will be a loss or not, but I think there's increasing frustration at the Ospreys about the way that they're playing and. Yeah, but that game there, I don't think they need to look at you know playing a certain brand. They just need to they just need to massively front up, be hugely physical, which they haven't been doing. And if Os- you know Ospreys have always been you know quite meaty, haven't they? Mm. And uh, <clears throat> they've always been super competitive anyway up front. And um, that's what they need to do: just get back to get back to basics. Really, start winning those winning those collisions, and uh, you know <laughs> good thing good things should come. Well, we'll find out whether they do or not. That game's on Friday night away to uh, Benetton and obviously you'll be able to see that on TV and then get our thoughts on it uh, next week's podcast as well. If you're going with an Ospreys loss, we can have I a don't, yeah, <laughs> I, I don't know. I don't think I'm going with an Ospreys loss. I think it will be a tricky game because I think Treviso will be pumped up from getting the win this weekend. And I think the Ospreys will be short on confidence, knowing that it's a game they're expected to win. I think they will win, but I think it might be an ugly, less than kind of, less than exciting affair. I think it could be. A, I think it could be a bit of a dour. Win. I reckon quite a big reaction. Okay. Tandy literally will be sending a rocket in. Well, yeah. I mean, he's already done that to a certain extent. So we'll see if that has an effect uh, on Friday night. The one remaining game from this weekend that we haven't covered yet was Cardiff Blues, who lost, <laughs> somehow managed to lose a game against uh, against Glasgow on Saturday night with um, Stephen Shingler missing a penalty, a pretty routine penalty for a goal kicker of his standards, or in fact for any goal kicker really, right at the death during that game. Real difficult one for him to take, but it kind of almost seemed endemic of the lack of confidence in the side. I think that, you know, he, I thought he had a decent game actually, yeah, well. and, yeah. and certainly his goal kicking was immaculate. But that one, yeah, his goal kicking prior to that point, but then that one just felt like it was, you know, the, the pressure to get a win just kind of crept in really, and just those slight errors, and he shanked it wide. It was definitely the pressure when he just came across, just came across. Mm. He just didn't strike it like he struck any of the any of the balls all night. So, yeah, pressure obviously got into his head. Hugely disappointed for the for the Cardiff Blues. They were, uh, for me, deserved the win. I thought they played, you know, they played well. There were some good, good individual performances there. Um, and they'd be so disappointed. You could see Danny Wilson. Can you just? Yeah. He, he probably thought, what do we need to do to to get this win? And fair play to him. He came out again, didn't he? So obviously. Yeah, the standard line of we'll look to the positives this week's now, but it, he must have been absolutely livid and yeah. uh, disappointed. It seemed like a good crowd there as well. It did. Well, yeah, apart from kind of one individual, which you may have seen, caused quite a stir on uh, on social media. 
This is one geezer in the first half decided to throw his pint at George Clancy, who was running the line, and was swiftly ejected afterwards. So I didn't um, know you missed that. Yeah. So uh, yeah, that's caused the that's caused a bit of a wasn't you was a bit it? of a storm. <laughs> it wasn't me on uh, on this occasion. No, it wasn't. And uh, yeah, it did seem like a good crowd down there, and I think uh, there were you know he'd be bitterly disappointed not to get that result, but. It's been a really, really tough start to the season, the Blues, and I think, you know, not even think that was comfortably their best performance so far. They should have won the game, without a doubt, because they had the, the kick to do that. But there are positives in there. Definitely. Yeah, the encouraging signs are the Blue, the, the getting better from mm. it. Yeah, they're definitely getting better. Still, some 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 dull passages, you know, some dull yeah. plays, giving away the ball. You know, poor again coming back to the kicking. Yeah, kicking, you know, from. Nine and ten at times was 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 poor, um, but some some really exciting passages. You know, I don't know whether we're going to have a little chat now or keep that for later. But I thought Ruin Williams was outstanding. Yeah, he was uh, absolutely superb. I mean, that break oh, as yeah. well. You know, the, for a moment I thought, oh, this is going to be a Liam Williams style that's, right up the end of the that's pitch. That's what I thought. Yeah. He did. It was like Liam, wasn't it? Yeah, it looked yeah. as though there was. Oh, this is never on. What's he up to here? And yeah. then when he got away and got away again, you thought, oh, yeah. actually, this could. This could uh, this could turn into something he's special. Deceptively strong, isn't he? Oh, he really is. Yeah, he's and he looks he watch. looks a proper fullback to me because he's a threat with ball in hand. <clears throat> Kicking game seems good, decent on the high ball. He's strong, character. You know, sorry, strong uh, physically. Defense is good, and yeah, like you say, a big strong fend on him. You know, he looks to have the lot. I think he's got a very very bright future ahead of him. So, yeah, he's. I think he's going to be one to watch throughout the season. Yeah, totally agree. I'm just. Yeah, really enjoy really enjoying watching him. Thought the reskill played very well. Good to see him, uh, you know, him back firing. Um, and Navidia I thought made some really really hard yards. Well, if we're talking um, about a kicking game, I think this will be something that's, yeah, that that's frustrating. That was his left peg. Yeah, that was almost. He is right footed, isn't he? I, I don't know. I don't know if I've ever seen Josh Navidia kick the yeah. ball before, so we I don't to, know whether we need he's. To ask him. He's, I watched it a couple of times back just to. It, it looked as if, you know when you. It looked as if it was his it was his wrong foot because yeah. he just sort of it looked as slightly awkward, but obviously it was a brilliant kick. Yeah. Um yeah, what, what a kick that was. But he, he he had a big, big game. He did, but I think that's I think you you put your finger on it that there were certain points within the game where it just required a, a better kicking game. And I thought Lloyd Williams had a really poor performance and he'd be really disappointed with with his showing on on Saturday. And you know, I, I just think those, like you say, that kicking from from nine and ten, wasn't wasn't where it needed to be in that second half, and I think that that cost them. I think the other thing they'll be really frustrated with is you don't actually catch Glasgow that often, make that many errors. There are, you know, they sh- they even showed that there are, you know, how lethal they can be. Uh, you know, even when they weren't playing their yeah. most fluid rugby. But they pulled that kind of try seemingly out of nowhere. Blues kind of went to sleep. Bit of a lazy kick, not the best kick chase, and and they kind of just waltzed it in. And it was almost like they just the whole you know they they that was the the chart the time to get a win, wasn't it against yeah. the Blues? And they kind of thought, oh, we'll give you know we'll give them the ball back, and then you know probably they'll have a run at us at some point and score. And it was just because they've got some depth, they've got some really good strike runners, haven't they? And I yeah. couldn't understand what what why the ball was being kicked back to them 
because eventually they were going to have a good run. Yeah. It was really, it was hugely frustrating, wasn't it? You just needed to keep the ball because keep, keep the ball off, or you've you've got to find space if you're going to kick it away. You know, and I think one thing that has been good from the Blues this season has been the line out. And you know, if your line out, if your line out's going well, then make those make those yeah. kicks for touch and try and, and try and pin them back and and say, yeah, okay, well, if you're gonna do it with these powerful strike runners, do it from deep. Yeah, needed for me it needs to be ten or twelve kicking majority in that game, not you know, not uh, not the nine kicking. Um, I, also, I would have made that change a lot earlier on. I, I think you know, I think where the games the game slipping away, and it was clear that Lloyd wasn't having his best of nights. I'd have bought on Thomas Williams because he is a real impact player as well. You know, I think he's he's a threat with ball in hand. His service is good. I would have I would have bought him on to try and to try and win the game. Uh, you know, if I was if yeah, I was it's, a, it's typical, though, isn't it? Because Lloyd he does a lot of sort of cover. He, he does a lot of sort of covering tackles, and he sort of gets himself in places that some nines aren't often found. So yeah, it was it was I don't know. It was just just massively disappointed that they didn't get the win. I thought Tom James played well. He yeah. did good. Um, but um, for me, and been saying it, well, week in week out at mm. the moment, Seb, Seb Davis in the second row was 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 quality. Yeah, he he really was. And again, we'll talk about that when we come on to team of the week in just a moment. The other thing I just wanted to to talk about, I'm still not sold on Halaholo and Lilo playing together at centre. I think they're both fantastic individuals, but I think they're two similar players, and I kind of, I just think there needs to be a bit more of balance in the centre. They again, they both play well individually, but still don't, not entirely sold on that. I'm sure there'll be people who disagree with me on it, but for me, I don't know. I, I'm kind of, I'm struggling to see exactly what's going on with, you know, Jack Roberts is a player they've brought in, and he's playing, you know, he's playing for Cardiff. Playing for Cardiff yeah. you know, he's playing for Cardiff RFC, and you think like, well. I don't know. Maybe maybe it's an injury thing. I'm not aware of, and you know he's just kind of coming back to fitness. But um, I'd be I'd be intrigued to see how he gets on. How he yeah. gets on, and I'd be looking at a few different a they, few different yeah. combinations in centre. Needs to be looked at, doesn't it? Because it's difficult, probably, to drop to drop one of them when you've got because individually they're two mm. guys that are quality. So in training, they're both looking absolutely absolutely superb. Um, but it just it doesn't work does it it only works like maybe one in you know one in six games they'll 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 click and it's you you can't you can't defend against it but you need more than that mm. then you need the consistency so i think it, they could probably have to make a tough call and um you know and, and, and make a bit of a change then and then they'll be able to it'll be easier then for the 10 as well to because it's, it's not i don't think it's an easy an easy place to be playing 10 with those two boys there mm. Um, because they're cutting in, they cut in completely different directions. Also, for the winger to work out what's going on yeah. is really difficult. And then you bring in the fullback as well. So, yeah, they, 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 a few tweaks needed there. Connacht away on Saturday. <laughs> They've had a tough start to the season again. That's it's a it's a definite Celtic rugby cliche to say that it's a tough place to go. I suppose you'd rather go there in September than November yeah, or December. Yeah. But nonetheless. I don't, I don't think it's an easy. I don't think it's an easy game. Taking a sun cream over there. I, think <laughs> I, don't take, know, I don't know about that. <laughs> I think you'll take that right now. But the, the encouraging thing is, Cardiff getting much better. Hmm. Um, I thought, you know, Pack went went fairly well. Set piece was looking good. Um, so they've got, you know, they've got nothing to fear going over there. And it'll be, you know, I, 
I'd be hopeful for a we can sneak a win over there. Well, yeah, again, let's let's hope so because I think they're they're going to need that for for confidence sake, just to break the duck really. And with yeah. you know so much speculation about off the field stuff, the best way to the best way to deal with it is to is to get that win on the pitch and keep the concentration on that. So fingers crossed they'll be able to do that away at Connacht next week. Right, a couple of things very quickly going to fire through. Uh, I suppose the big bit of transfer news this week has been continued speculation about Reese Webb, as we mentioned a little bit earlier on. He's come out and said that he's in negotiations with uh, with the WIU to see if they can find a way of of keeping him at the Ospreys, and that's his that's his first choice. But you do have to wonder with the the way they're playing, the stage he's at in his career, and having watched bigger make a decision only last week. You worried about this one? Yeah, I can't see him staying. He's for me. He'll be he'll be he'll be going one hundred percent. What about you? Yeah, I I fear for the worst here as well. I I just think it's um, again for all those reasons I've just kind of stated. I think it you know he'd be hard pressed not to look at it and say okay right well I've got an opportunity to to go and try and win something and to pick up a big paycheck in you know in the same stint. So yeah, I I do worry about about Reece Webb. I think it'd be great if they're able to to keep him. Um, but he is, you know, I'm such a big admirer of his. I think he's genuinely a world-class nine. I think he's in the same, you know, he's in the same category as, as Conor Murray. I thought he's probably a little bit unlucky on the Lions tour that yeah, the game plan kind of suited Murray so well that, that Webby didn't get a little bit more action because I think he's, you know, he's such he a really fantastic tool, player. Didn't he? Yeah, he did. And, you know, I think he's probably not underused necessarily because they've got the result, but I think he he's probably a bit unlucky to, to not get a bit more game time during the test matches. He's been pivotal for Wales. Wales without him have, you know, really struggled. He's such a threat and, you know, he's been hugely consistent for the Ospreys for probably four four seasons now. So it's a massive hole if he does go. You know, if they lose both those half backs, I think that's that's really, really concerning for them and that's gonna be bloody hard to recruit. You know, to get a player of his standard this is precisely why, yeah. you know, wherever he ends up, either England or France, this is why big sides would be prepared to, to pay those kind of wages because he's that good. Yeah, it'd be so difficult to, to replace him on it and, and that experience as well at the international level. But a lot of the players that are playing, you know, over in England at the moment, the Welsh boys are playing well, aren't they? And they're all in, they're all in comms together. So I just think they'll, that he'll, obviously the money's there, mm. but also the experience and going on that Lions, they would love just, just, Having something different. This is your thing at the moment, it isn't is. it? You, you think the Lions has been a real head turner. For... Um, yeah, definitely. Because you'll be playing with different players, and you'll have that. Not 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 the rugby will come bo- become boring for them, but I just think it will have energised the whole mm. thing, and they'll want it'll it'll sort of reconfirm or you know make it. I don't know. They'll just have like yeah, we definitely want to experience something different, and then obviously they they've both gone really well on the Lions, so. The, the sides are going to come knocking, so I do think the Lions has a big has a massive effect. On okay, this. the other uh, bit of news earlier on from this week was further expansion plans. Martin and I came out and said that don't be surprised to see a an American franchise join the league potentially for next season. Is that something that excites you? I don't know whether it excites me, but. Um, it is, as we know, it's necessary, isn't it? We have to go into, we have to go into new markets, 
um, and wherever they may be, mm. we've got to go. So I'm not, you know, when I saw that, I wasn't jumping up and down thinking, you know, this is going to be a brilliant opportunity to have, uh, you know, a couple of decent burgers. But um, <laughs> it is exciting in some respects that, you know, the it's needed, isn't it? The revenue's needed and, but, you know, there's, there's no history. There's nothing like that, is there? It's just something different. So... Let's see what happens. You say there's a market out there. I don't know if you saw the the pictures of the attendance for the Aviva Premiership game that was played out there this weekend. Things like that would make you question whether there is a market there or not. You know, maybe that would change if the side is a, you know, is an American side, potentially. But there's so much, you know, there's so much kind of competition for attention out there. You know, they've got such strong sporting heritage in their own sports. You know, there's basketball, uh, NFL, baseball, all these kind of things to, uh, you know, ice hockey, all these things to compete with that, I don't know, maybe there is a market out there for it. Um, But I don't know, I I just think you'd be looking at it and while I agree that if if there is an instant revenue opportunity, I I don't think the league's in any position to ignore it. But you've got to be concerned looking at Super Rugby and seeing how quickly they expanded. And their expansion seemed to make more sense in terms of the from a marketing perspective because you're able to look at it and go right japan had, you know japan had beaten south africa during the world cup it seemed like a great time to launch a, a japanese franchise and then you also looked at argentina who'd been consistent for a number of years and went right this is a great time to bring in a, a side from there and you know what they found is is it expanding too quickly they've not been able to keep up and some of the sides have fallen by the wayside so there are definite pitfalls there too. So I don't know. I think it's one we'll follow with interest. But while it might be a, a short-term a short-term thing, I don't know. I just It feels very reactionary to me to be just kind of reaching out to anywhere. And it, I, it could well be short. I mean, it could well be short-term as well. Just literally almost like a smash and grab, really. Um, you know, dip in, take, you know, take a couple of quid and... Mm. Uh, you know, keep it moving on, but then it doesn't do anything for the for the league itself, does it? And have a detrimental effect in the long run. But yeah, I, I guess it's it's that sort of. Uh... I I kind of think that's why the league has struggled in certain respects because there's been a load of teams who've been in and then we've lost them. You know, you look at the Ironi and Border Reavers, the uh, what was the other Scottish so the Caledonian Reds who were in there, the Celtic Warriors. You kind of look at that and go well. Celtic. You know, you, you know what I mean. You, you look at it and go, "Well, these teams have fallen by the wayside." If it's a different kind of setup each year, it doesn't give you that strong, consistent. And again, I hate to move into marketing words, but things like product. You know, you you're able to look at the French league and look at the the English league, and you see the rivalries and you see the the kind of consistent attendances there. And it's not just been born off the back of short term stuff. It's it's based on the fact that they're kind of strong leagues and strong products and you just I don't know I wonder whether sides the fact that the Pro 14 has been chopping and changing throughout its entire history has damaged its reputation to to broadcasters and to you know the, the people who, who bring the money to the game it's damaged it all round isn't it because for fans as well isn't it you don't you know your team your team's there one minute and then it's not there yeah. the next and <clears throat> as you said it's so difficult to get any you know the, any sort of rivalry in, in this in the Pro 14, um, because of all the stuff we've talked about in the past, 
But I mean, the, the, the main thing is that if the games can be competitive and actual, you know, top quality mm. games, then that'll, then that'll be a win. You're right. But I think, you, you yeah. question whether, you know, would these, I can't see how those games would be competitive, you know, with us with an American side. No. They just wouldn't be, would they? So it's almost, you know, it's taking a couple of quid and, uh, but not, but not looking at anything else. But then, you know, that's the state that, that, that we're in potentially, isn't it? So. It is. Let's bring it back to the Pro 14 from this weekend, though, and finish with our Team of the Week feature, which we have been doing for the um, for the course of the season so far, and we'll continue to carry on doing so. This is in partnership with our pals over at Idraig, uh, which you can check out. It's a fantastic Welsh sport website, and you can go over there and check out all the kind of latest news and opinion on rugby, football, cricket, boxing, and all sorts at idraig.co.uk. This week, Dan... Uh, the boys have gone for the following team. So, fullback Green Williams, Johnny McNichol on the right wing, Tom James on the left, Hadley Parks and Jack Dixon in the centre, Reese Patchell and Sarah Pretorius at half backs, then Brock Harris, Elliot D, Kieran Azarati in the front row, Seb Davis, Ty Byrne in the, in the second row, and then a back row of Aaron Shingler, Josh Navidi, and John Barkley. Any changes that immediately kind of spring to mind for you? I didn't see the um, the Dragons game, mm. so it's difficult to comment. But I thought that Reese Gill had a, played very very well for Cardiff. Yep. Um, so he'd be one to consider. I yeah, I would I would have a look at that as well. I think he's would, been yeah. in as we as we've already said earlier on. Yeah, it's been a really tough start for the Blues, but actually I think the scrum has been something that they can look at and that kind of partnership with. With Matthew Reese, loving that Matthew yeah, Reese. Yeah, it's great. Yeah, he's looking, he's looking trim, isn't he, Matthew Reese? He's they're really up for it. And the lineout's gone well too, yeah. as you said. So yeah, I, I think that they've had, they've been kind of really, really important. And uh, having Azarati alongside them, he'll definitely learn from from their experience. But I'd be inclined to go with to go with Reese Gill um, on that as well. So yeah, I'm happy to to make that change. Uh, someone else that, that we spoke about earlier, I, I thought Seth Davis was phenomenal and I think we're both both us and um and the boys will will agree on that that Yeah, that was his, his his best game, wasn't it? But and his other games have been very, very strong, but you saw you saw him carrying really well, didn't you? Hit those lovely little lines. His work rate mm. is exceptional and that's that's been from the start of the season. I mean he's really he doesn't look like a you know, someone that hasn't hasn't really played much rugby at, at, at this level. He looks completely at ease. I tweet I, I tweeted during the game that there were definite touches of a young Alan Jones in there. Mm. I thought he just he was just so busy throughout the whole game. I sometimes worry with converted back rowers that they're gonna be a bit lightweight when it comes to the you know, when it comes to the the meteor side of the games. You know, you want you wonder whether they can have that same impact in terms of just smashing through rucks and uh and in the scrum and stuff, but I think he he looks like a second row to me. He's, you know, much like you remember Alan Wynn used to play a bit on the blind side, but then he always looked much more comfortable and has gone on to be you know one of Wales's all time great locks. Just look, just looking at him reminded me of watching Alan and Jones from ten years ago. Yeah, yeah, he looks totally comfortable in the second row, and he's quite. There's a few niggles going on as well. You see him off the ball. He's you know he's he's hitting people. He's yeah, really looks like. Um, a cracking prospect and um, can't wait to see him uh, week in week out now 
The other, uh, yeah, I think he's going to be really important for them actually as well. I think, you know, the, the more they can kind of keep him fit, the better. And I'm thoroughly expecting him. I know it's getting, I know it's far too early to start talking about the Auto Internationals, but I thoroughly expect him to be in that squad. Now, again, the the lads have gone for Reese Patchell at 10. And again, I, th- you know, I thought he just showed fantastic glimpses of, of what a great player he is. And he's certainly one of the informed Welsh 10s. But I'm going to make a change there again, whether this is just a, a bit of sentimentality. But by all accounts, the, the back line fired um, for the Dragons. And I'm going to put Gavin Henson in there just because I think you know, he's starting to and he's starting to, to kind of have the impact that we hoped that he that we hoped he would. So I'm gonna I'm gonna slot him in there at at ten for uh, for our side. And the other change I'm just gonna make is again I is, is at number eight. John Barbie's been fantastic for um, for the Scarlets. I mean what a, what an awesome couple of seasons he's had. He's been such an important player for them. Played pretty much anywhere in that back row as well. You know he's a seven by trade, but you know he seems so comfortable at eight. But I am going to go for James Benjamin of the Dragons at number eight, as we heard earlier in our uh, in our piece with Brad. You know, kind of did a lot of that, a lot of that link work. So, yeah, a couple of a couple of dragons in there to um, to bolster our side. But largely speaking, I think it's exactly the same as as um, as the previous weeks where we've had exactly three changes. Yeah, it's been, it's been oh, three. that was the other one I was going to potentially say because there's no no ospreys for. You know, I guess for for kind of obvious reasons, but a little bit harsh on Jack Dixon. But I am going to go for James Hook at twelve, just for that moment of brilliance. But then again, Jack, you know, Jackie Dixon had a, a moment of brilliance of his own when he made that when he made that great break. So you, you can have the you can have the the casting vote on this one. Where you go for who you going to go for at twelve, Dixon or Hook? Dixon. All right, fair enough. There we go. Just trying to be you know trying to be uh, balanced on this one and say it's not too dragons biased, but I'm happy to see Dixon in there as well. <laughs> So yeah, we'll have another one of those next week. And uh, as I say, do make sure um, you head over to adrive.co.uk uh, to keep up to date on all your Welsh sport. Uh, some great articles on there, a good bunch of lads as well. And just to finish on, I know we always kind of talk about um, talk about leaving reviews and we always promise you a bit of a shout out. So if you can leave us a review, head over to iTunes and uh, and do that on there. Uh, a couple that we've uh, that we've had in this week. Uh, one by the brilliantly titled Washed Up Agent says top effort lads really enjoying this pod and uh, equally brilliantly titled uh, username here of Jolly Green Giant 1996 says brilliant discussion with great knowledge and understanding of Welsh rugby great guests with insightful chat there we go must be the guests that's bringing all this uh, that's bringing all this great knowledge and, and discussion as well Absolutely. but nonetheless we enjoy it and uh, hopefully you've enjoyed it too so thanks very much for listening to another edition of the Attacking Scrum podcast as always, um, feel free to let us know your thoughts at Attacking Scrum, or you can do so on Facebook and Instagram too. And we'll be back next week to bring you more reaction to the weekend's rugby. Sports Social Podcast Network.